The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. We had a period of time when news organizations and reporters really just wore their bias on their sleeve. I mean, they were upfront about it. Everybody acknowledged that there was a certain bias that they brought to their coverage of the news. Or frankly, publications would support one political party or one ideology over another. And then there became a time when I think media consolidated. Uh, People started to talk about objectivity in news and reporters really strive to be fair and balanced. But at the end of the day, let's face it, everybody does have their biases and is subjective in terms of how either they select the stories they cover or how they cover those stories. And so I really think it's evolved over time in terms of how journalism has taken shape. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I use a lot of truth in that. You know, we talk about biased media clearly. I mean, you, you can see it. I, I actually, during the South Carolina primaries, was watching a conservative network and a liberal network just to see how they approached the subject matter. And I think there's truth in it. I mean, we all have our biases. And there's nothing really wrong with that. It's about how they're presented. So I thought today we'd explore that topic, a topic that's increasingly relevant in, in our lives today. And yet, I think it goes unnoticed in its depth and in its impact. And it's really a phenomenon that's shaping the way that you view the world. Um, you know, it's, it's, it has an impact on society. You take a look at these, these news outlets, uh, you know, I, I call them propaganda machines. You know, they are not objective reporting institutions. Um, they're not these beacons of unbiased, you know, information. Uh, quite often they present themselves that way. But my next guest, who knows as intimately, uh, he'll point out that it, it's it's in the nuances. It's the choice of words. It's the stories that are highlighted. It's the verses that are omitted. It's the framing that subtly nudges us to see the world, not as it is, but really as the outlet wishes you to see it and to promote their agenda under the guise of being impartial, right? The way it is framed, that can lead you ultimately to adopt the views and the opinions that you feel are your own right? This is what I believe. You may not even know you're being indoctrinated. I received an email from a woman. I was going to share it, but it's kind of caustic, so I, I don't think I will. I sent it to Maggie last night or the other night. I was going through my emails, and she just kind of laid me out, told me what a shill I was, and you know, um, we were doing a piece. I think Dr. Paul Kangor was on the show, and I was just taking a look at some pre-South Carolina primary stuff, and people will hear me say one thing, and I'll in fact, today we, we had this come in from my audience. People, one person telling me I'm a shill for the Republican Party, another one telling me I'm anti-Trump. Well, which one is it, right? Where do I stand on the issue? But you know, she was telling me how Trump's a rapist and there was an insurrection in our country and, you know, and really angry, really. I tune into the radio because I want religious programming. Here's my view on that, and I've mentioned this in the past. Um, just because you're Catholic doesn't mean that you don't go to an eye doctor, right? You don't know about your health. You don't care about your finances. You don't care about politics. All these things affect the world you're in. You're called to be in the world, but not of it. And what our Catholic faith does, it shines the light of truth on these issues, which ultimately helps you better navigate those issues and those challenges that life presents to us. Helps you weed through the propaganda the indoctrination that is out there. That's how 
I see it. So I thought we'd talk a, a little bit about this today. Before I go to Dr. Jeff Gardner, who's going to be joining me, there were two major cases heard before the Supreme Court today. I just want to put before you, um, there were oral arguments. They lasted about four hours. In both cases, Florida and Texas, they're trying to regulate social media in their states because the administration in both those states finds that social media companies are censoring conservative viewpoints. It's not just the, 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 the television and cable news that you watch. It's the manipulation of these algorithms. It's the censoring of what these outlets want you to see. It's the pushing of their own agenda. It's by the way they approach their laws, you know, would have an impact on, on the First Amendment. The social media bias, I think it's obvious to all of us, but it, um, you know, it even extended to my producer. Um, he, his son is a friend. He was telling me the story this morning. He wanted to post on Instagram uh, about a group of altar servers, <laughs> altar servers that he belongs to. The program wouldn't let it do it. Mm -mm. No, they wouldn't let him do it. For some reason, I, I it must not have fit their criteria, right? So the bias filtered him out. They wouldn't let him do it. So, I, look, it goes on and on. There was a CBS News reporter who actually did some actual reporting. Her name's Catherine Heritage. Heritage, H-E-R-R-I-D-G-E. I hope I get her name right. She's a veteran CBS reporter. You probably know it. Forgive me, Catherine, if I'm butchering the last name. I, she, she was uh, doing investigative work on Hunter Biden and his laptop. Remember how? I have a sister who knew nothing about Hunter Biden's laptop. And this is prior to the last election. Nothing, right? Because of the outlet that she was consuming her media from. And um, Catherine got fired last week in an alleged cost-cutting move. This is, she was not alone. 20 other um, staffers were let go too. But Heritage, you know, she said CBS seized all of her personal and confidential files, which veterans say was really an unprecedented move. Why did they do that? Uh, there was an extremely bad situation in Oklahoma recently where a 16-year-old who identified as non-binary was apparently cornered in a high school girl's bathroom by three other girls. She ended up dead. The media, of course, are claiming it was, well, that happens when a state requires kids to use bathrooms that correspond to their biological sex. But the police report said that her death had nothing to do with the bathroom incident. CNN was reported, they were doing an interview with Vice President Kamala Harris, who gushed. She said this, I'm struck just in your present. Look you in the eye with your passion. That's the reporter. I mean, that's called being a fangirl. So you, you see what's going on here. Media bias is everywhere. Dr. Jeff Gardner knows it. He is taught courses in media and culture and government at Regent University. I hope you'll follow him in his writing. I think he's a real clarion voice today. His website is jeffgardner.online, jeffgardner.online. He joins me today. Jeff, I could probably give you a litany of other cases as well. Um, crazy what's going on here. Is there anything, let's start with objective reporting anymore. You heard the news clip that we started with, or do you just assume we all are reporting, all reporting is a bias now? Um, there's not much that is objective and, um, you know, as not to sound biased towards the, uh, the very medium that we're on right now, it, it is also a matter of not, not just what, but where broadcast media, radio media, media that lacks images, which are a very powerful means by which, um, media producers set a frame and dominate what you think. 
those that lack images, like radio, like things that are streamed, tend to have less in the way of biased impact than those that contain the images. So there, there is some out there, but there's not much of it left. The least bias or at least bias influencing types of media, and we, you know, the, the data is pretty clear on this, is media that lacks the power of image in addition to audio. So, uh, you know, my own self-interest and yours aside, listen to the radio, folks. No kidding. Let me play a piece of audio. I know you probably have heard this before. It, to me, it's always shocking. It never tires when, when I listen to this. You know, I, I, I look at outlets, new, new, let's say broadcast outlets, and, and I look at the Democratic Party, too. It's almost like there's a, a set of talking points that goes at. I don't know how it works. Maybe you can give me some insight into it, but say suddenly all start using the same words, reproductive justice, or let's reimagine policing, or in the media is not alone. That's the Democratic Party. I can give you some other examples, but when you've got certain media outlets, talking heads, news uh, anchors who you want to place your faith and credi credibility and you want to trust them as they're giving you objective and inaccurate news, you begin to wonder when you hear this. Listen to to this. Uh, Maggie, where does this come from? Is this... Uh, this is from all Sinclair stations. Okay, which which are big distributors of, of your, your news. Check this yeah, out. Yeah, you'll hear a couple of them tag themselves here. Okay, great. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we, we are concerned, concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news, news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 You know, it's extremely dangerous to our democracy, what you just heard. You know, they, they read off the same script. And those were media outlets all across the country, everybody parroting the same lines. And now, Doctor, I don't know whether you saw this or not. I mean, I um, if you actually see the video of it, it's pretty amazing because they show you one talking head, and then there's two, and then there's four, and then there's eight, and then there's 16, and then there's 32, and then there's 64. It just keeps going exponentially, and everybody on their anchor set, on their news set, repeating the same things. Um, what What is with this? Give us some analysis, not just what we're hearing from the mainstream media, but these talking points that seem to be I don't know, parroted by our elected officials as well. Yeah, I am familiar with the video. And the reason that, that you're, you're, you're seeing this, and it's, it's you know, very weird and unsettling synchronicity between all of these stations, and they're in all different states, and you know, some of them are really small local markets, and some of them are medium and large markets, and they're all saying the same thing over and over. There are two main reasons driving this. 
Number one, unbeknownst to most people, there is a tremendous um, movement towards monopoly in broadcast media. The, the number of companies that control all of the broadcast media was really about three or four. And then number two, uh, margins, profit margins in the business of media are very, very tight. Um, and they're getting tighter and tighter as online media, which can target um, you know, consumers right down to the very last man, woman, and child and, and every single click, make it harder and harder for broadcast media to compete. And so you are seeing uniform scripts, and what you're not seeing is media companies uh, providing you know, writers, researchers, producers in these small markets. It, it is, it is, you know, what is commonly referred to in media as rip and read. It's like here's the script; it just comes off of the, off of the screen. It's just printed out, and it's handed to the broadcast individual, the man or the woman standing in front of the camera. So as the level of monopolies go up, and as the margins of profit go down, the investment in researching a story, finding out what's really going on, getting to the truth of it, is all but wiped out in many of these smaller markets that are owned by these large companies. And you're just not getting, you know, you're just not getting um, independent researched news from these, these platforms. And when you run it all together, you know, then the sort of the shocking, you know, whoa, that sounds really weird. Well, yeah, because it is. My guest today, Dr. Jeff Gardner, I'll tell you what, if you want to join us, feel free to dial in. I have maybe another 10 minutes or so. Uh, feel free to share your own experience. Maybe you work in a newsroom. Maybe you have seen this yourself. Maybe you wonder the best way to cut through the smoke and be able to see with some clarity. The number is 888-914-9149. You can join our conversation, 888-914-9149. Uh, okay, so you, you've got this repetition of theme message, you know, from, from media outlets, you see it from political parties. I had that woman who wrote to me and she's not alone. I, I get lots of emails. I've been broadcasting for a long time, so I'm very used to it. You know, it, it doesn't really rattle me. I appreciate the feedback actually from both sides. Um, but clearly when I saw her perspective, it was very one-sided, right? And right. there's almost this, maybe you can talk a little bit about confirmation bias. You know, if the only thing that, let's say, my sister-in-law watches is liberal media, well, they're going to think that Donald Trump has a pitchfork and is, uh, you know, straight from hell. If people only watch certain conservative media outlets, they're going to think that President Biden is the most inept, amoral president that has ever held office. Um, right. Let's talk about confirmation bias because she was absolutely this woman who wrote to me, absolutely convinced that my gosh to to even think that President Trump might bring some some value to the country with economy or whatever the case might have been uh, that was not even on the on the radar. How do you avoid confirmation bias? How do we identify it? How do we make sure we don't fall victim to it? Right, and and you know confirmation bias is extremely real and it is now baked into the news business. With the, with the margins for profit being very, very tight, what news corporations and large companies are doing, whether it's Fox or MSNBC, is they're quite intentionally looking for our bias, playing to that, trying to get us either confirmed or emotionally riled up to get us to click. So first of all, it's just to realize that's baked into the system. They, they you know, I mean, even to the point, if you get, if you get your news off of online platforms, Facebook or Yahoo News, they'll select what stories you do and don't see. 
based on your bias. And there's a lot of data driven by our browsing habits that give away your bias. So the way that you get around that is, you know, someone that studies and teaches media, I use there, there are a couple of applications out there. There's one called ground, like as an on the ground news that gives you a tag on the story that tells you, first of all, what platform it came from. And then they have a rating system as to whether the story is fundamentally biased towards the left side of the political spectrum, the right side of the political spectrum, or if it falls in the middle. And so you can look at the exact same stories, compare it side by side between one outlet and another and see for yourself how biased and lopsided on a number of platforms, not just liberal, a number of platforms the news really is. And this helps you know, me, someone that does this for a living, analyze where it is a platform is coming from. But the reason that they're doing it, again, is what they want is your eyeballs and what they need is your clicks to drive their revenue stream. And quite frankly, there's really no indication that this is going anywhere. Um, the data seems to indicate it's actually getting worse wow. um, by way of uh, company habit and uh, how they platform this stuff. Yep. So it's, you know, we hear this, it's a threat to our democracy. Okay, it, it's our democracy, our country. So then we as the citizenry have to say, okay, hell, time out. Wait a second. I need to look at stories from different platforms. I need to stop getting my news from places like Facebook. I need to listen to a variety of different opinions. And then really, I encourage people just, you know, read, spend time going over the facts before you make up your mind and realize it's our tendency. It's our natural tendency to want to shortcut to knee jerk and make a sudden conclusion decision about something. But that's not in our best interest, individually and collectively. That's such a, a wonderful point. You know, it's a threat to our democracy. You hear that all the time. I wonder, though, if, and I know there's been some media outlets, Doctor, who've tried to say, hey, we're going to be more neutral. We want to be more center. Um, do they get the ratings? Or, or do people want to gravitate, gravitate to something that confirms their own bias, you know, that they, they want to hear if they're, they tend to attack liberal, they want to hear about how evil the other party is, or they are attacked to something more conservative. They, they want to hear something that reaffirms that would a neutral media outlet that objectively reported, whether it's shown, you know, light on their, their candidate in a negative way or not, would they report on that? And would they be successful? Yeah. And that's the, the 60, you know, four million dollar question not thousand anymore um you know salaries and um costs in these big media platforms are astronomical and very few of them are willing to take that risk i mean even in you know and as you identified that the term is called media framing and what that is is it not only do the do media outlets decide what stories they want you to see they then decide what they want you to see about the story so it's sort of a frame within a frame I mean, it reminds me, for instance, there was a, a media story a couple of years back that um, it was it was run in, the, in a uh, newspaper in Denver and then uh, run in Great Britain. And the headline was 270 doctors asked Spotify to stop Joe Rogan spreading misleading and false claims about COVID-19. Well, interestingly, when, when you dive into that story, it turns out that the signatures of this letter, only 87 of them were MDs. The rest were veterinarians, dentists, wow. Ph.D. candidates, stu- students wow. um, uh, who had signed this letter. But that wasn't revealed in the headline. 
you know, recently we read about that the terrible, terrible uh, episode of the nursing student um, who was uh, killed, yeah. uh, Lake and Hope Riley, uh, in Georgia while out jogging. I saw an AP story on that, and that the headline was "Death of Nursing Student Highlights Danger to Women Running." Oh my gosh! And I thought, well, uh, sort of. But that's not actually the story because the the suspect we say right. suspect that was seen on camera mm-hmm. has a criminal record yeah. and is here in the country illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that buried in the story it says, and I'm quoting here in the story: "Crime statistics indicate that these types of attacks are rare, but they underscore the hypervigilance women must take when going out, even for a run on campus." So, you know, it's it's. Interesting to me as an analyst, there's an acknowledgement that this is extremely rare, being out running and being attacked. But a criminal committing another crime, no, that's not rare. Actually, if we look at the statistics, those who commit crimes tend to have committed them before. So this sort of, you know, framing within frame has become stock and standard within the business. And given the uh, the amount of money um, and sponsors, you know, major pharmaceutical sponsors like Pfizer, that bankroll these companies, I don't, I don't, you know, we should not expect this to change. Right. Yeah, this whole aspect of media framing, which is interesting, Maggie and I were talking about it, and she said something that really made me recall a perfect example of this. Um, when George Floyd died and the city of Minneapolis was on fire, when stores are being looted, yes. what do we hear? Or it happened in New York as well, other places. You had reporters saying, Mostly peaceful protests are occurring on this. And I'm thinking, you know, my eyes are seeing something totally different behind you. And yet, you you, you know, you're you're gaslighting me by telling me this is a peaceful protest. Correct. Correct. And there are instances in which, you know, things like that break through. I I remember a very, very uh, well-known story that that a local news station did about flooding down in Louisiana. And they put a reporter out in a canoe to paddle along the street. And as they were reporting and paddling, a man walks through the frame, you know, inadvertently <laughs> show, showing in fact that the water's only about shin deep, but, but deep enough to float a canoe. So these, so funny. <laughs> these sorts of instances of framing, you know, every now and again, they, they, you know, visually or otherwise, they sort of say the quiet part out loud and, and we go, well, wait a minute. Uh, so we should watch for these things and understand again that what they're after is to push your bias, to push your confirmation, to get your eyeballs to sell you stuff. Yeah. And that's um, really the bottom line. Now, again, you know, my uh, and, 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 you know, your appearance here notwithstanding, yeah. media that is, that is not, you know, heavily in, in the pocket of large commercial pharmaceutical interests. Yep. has the ability, like this show, to explore different angles right. and and look at different topics. Large corporate entities, they just do not. And, uh, you know, it's sort of been understood. Yeah. Um, you know, part of the people say, well, is there is there a conspiracy? Yeah. Well, not really, because it's an understood when you right. get on these platforms that you're either going to follow what it is that the frame is set up as, or you're not going to be here. Yeah, yeah is it cr- uh, 
and, and they're not. And then away they go. It's a credit to our leadership here, though. You talk about relevant radio, and you're right. Money is very powerful, and if you have, you know, somebody uh, underwriting, or if you have big pharma behind, as you point out, or you know, you're looking at that bottom line. You know, one of the philosophies of relevant radio was not just to be heard on stations, but to own radio stations, because that way, unlike you know, social media, you know, Facebook or Twitter, whatever, you can't be censored, right? They can't take Correct. you off, and then you're not. You're not accountable, really, to to anyone. You don't have to worry about whether Big Pharma is going to pull out, or they want they don't like your message on the vaccine, or whatever it might right. be. You know, there's not some political party pressing your buttons. And, and I got to credit Relevant for that, and Father Rocky, and, and a lot of the leadership here. And I think that's why people value Relevant. We're able, as you point out, to shine the light of our faith. You know, to to, to talk about these issues objectively. And the Catholic faith is not Republican. And the Catholic faith is not democratic. You know, the, it, the, it's, we're not Democrats or Republicans. Our faith sometimes, you know, crosses both sides of the aisle. But to be able to have a an honest look at the issues, um, it, it's a rarity. And I, I hope people will continue to pray for Relevant and continue to support it. And I'm grateful for everyone who uh, who has supported this apostle. You make it possible for a voice of, of truth and clarity uh, to be heard on the air. Uh, doctor, I only have a few moments left. I'd like to bring you back a little later in the week. I know you went and saw Dr. Uh, Dr. Peterson, uh, who everybody loves, Dr. Jordan Peterson. I had him on my my air several times years ago before he really went big. I should actually reach out to him again. And you had a very unique experience with him. You want to give us a quick tease on that? Maybe we'll talk to you a little later in the week. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, I had the, you know, I had the pleasure of uh, attending one of his lectures. He has a new book out called We Who Wrestle With God. And uh, he's touring the country. He is a, a, a dynamic and compelling speaker. I, I did an article uh, about that um, that uh, went up last week. And what I, you know, what I'm trying to get at in that article is, you know, first of all, as Christians, we sh- we should be very discerning about who it is that we that we pay attention to and why. And then, secondly, more importantly, if we find someone like Dr. Peterson who's making a living out of telling us what texts like those found in the Old and the New Testament mean, we have an expectation to ask them, well, just like we find in the Gospel of John in chapter 5 in the Discourse of the Bread of Life, okay, who is he, meaning Jesus, to you? Because the uniqueness of Jesus is quite literally the uniqueness of Jesus Christ within his own time frame, and and recorded, by the way, by not just the Scriptures, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, other sources and historians, who, and some of them were, were very hostile to Jesus of Nazareth. And Dr. Peterson, interestingly, has not said where he stands on this. Now, there have been others, like Joseph Campbell, who've spent years and years telling Christians what texts mean and are very dismissive of some of these fundamental elements of the story that is yeah. Christianity. Well, so that's 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 you know that's what we're up to here in this. So look at Dr. Peter. Let, let's we'll, we'll talk about it. I think it'll be a great conversation. If you want to check out Dr. Gardner, his website is jeffgardner.online. jeffgardner.online. Uh, thank you for your time. It's always great to hang out with you. Look forward to talking Thanks, to you again. Too. You got it. It's uh, Dr. Jeff Gardner. Stay with me when we come back. I'll share with you something really creepy that happened to me. Uh, made me wonder whether my phone is listening. Also made me wonder how a political campaign possibly got my personal cell phone number and knew my name. Fill you in on that when I return. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Sponsor of the University of Dallas, 
the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers invites high school juniors, seniors, and recent graduates to study the great books this summer at UD's two-week-long Arte program while earning three hours of college credit. Info at relevantradio.com slash Dallas. Have you ever felt like the ads that you see on your social media feed are specifically targeted to you? It's almost like the app is listening to your conversation. You know, my friend and I were talking about a specific cruise that she went on, and just a few minutes later, an ad for that specific cruise popped up into my Instagram feed. So it made me wonder, if they're not listening, how could that happen? It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. So has that happened to you? If it has, let's talk about it today. I'd love to get your uh, your experience as well. And I'll, I'll tell you what happened here. It's so funny that that clip ran. Maggie, you picked the perfect one. I work here with a, a colleague. And uh, this past weekend, my, my wife had her birthday. And she was asking me, oh, yeah, what are you going to do for, for your wife's birthday? And, and I kind of told her. And we got on the whole conversation then of talking about, you know, trips and vacations. And she has never been on a cruise, this woman. She asked me if I've been. I said, well, I'm not a big fan of cruises. I said, I was on one a while ago with a buddy of mine when he was getting married at some point. But, um, gosh, it was years ago. And I said, oh, you know, I hear, like, Viking cruises are pretty nice, you know. I've, I've, you know, they're they're more of a luxury cruise, probably more money. And oh well, so we just finished the conversation. It's very, you know, informal like that, just general dialogue, right? The next day, I come into the office and I get an uh, email from her. She says, "You're not going to believe this." And I said, "What?" She says, "I've never been on a cruise, as I told you. I have never searched for cruises. Now my phone is lighting up with ads for Viking cruises. They're all tar- <laughs> targeted towards me." And she goes, oh, my gosh, it's so creepy. Is my phone listening to me? Is the phone listening for those key words? I, you know, I, I don't know. I've heard about people who go shopping in the grocery store and you know, the wife, you know, might say something to him. Hey, go look for uh, butter or whatever. Get, get whatever. And next thing you know, his phone is bringing up different brands of butter. I, is it an anomaly? You know, does it, is it coincidental? I think it might be the case. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. Or not, not yesterday. I think it was... Uh, it was before the primaries. Maybe it was Thursday or Friday. I was talking about uh, Nikki Haley and uh, and Donald Trump and, and and the upcoming South Carolina primary. And when we were talking about it, oh, you know what we were talking about? We were talking about um, the state of Alabama. I think it was Alabama and their Supreme Court's decision on IVF. And I think uh, Nikki Haley has a child through IVF. And I had mentioned that. And I like I like Nikki Haley. I think she's a very honorable person. I think she's run a pretty clean and decent campaign. As I was talking about the, the Haley position on IVF, somebody had said to me, oh, I think she's dialed back her position on IVF. And as I was saying that, I said, well, look, I'm up against the clock. I need to take a short break here. When I come back, well, I get a text, right? I'm getting ready to go to break. I get a text and it says, it's Nikki Haley. Before you exit this, Drew, please take 30 seconds and read this important message. Now, normally I think, okay, it's spam, right? It's it's some campaign sending out a big blast. I happen to somehow have gotten my number scooped up somewhere. Well, it freaked me out. And it still could be coincidence, but it seems a little bit more than that to me. I'm on the air talking about the campaign, talking about position. And all of a sudden, before you get out of this, before you exit this topic, Drew, they, how do they have my name? Okay, I can see it's stealing my number, but how do you know my first name? They give me a link. I actually checked the link out a little bit later and took me to, to their platform. Uh, is somebody on the campaign listening? Was it Nikki Haley who happened to be tuned in and, and somehow found this number? 
It's my number online. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. I just found it super weird that as I'm talking about this, I get a can an email from the, the, the Haley campaign. Hey, before you get out of this topic, before you exit this, Drew, please take 30 seconds and read this message. It took me to the platform. I, I, I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know. And that's not the first incident. You know, I mean, I know this probably has happened to you many times. You know, there are people who often are at home talking about something. And the next thing you know, um, stuff is popping up in, in your email. It's popping up in your, on your phones. Uh, you're being inundated with it. And uh, back in December, there was a, a website called imore.com. And they reported that an advertising company called CMG Local Solutions revealed that it's active listening. Okay, it uses AI to capture voice data. And then it sells it to private companies that send you targeted ads. Say what? There's a website called 404 Media. It's, a, it's another one out there. It found this paragraph on CMG's website. Let me share it with you. And we're going to talk to an expert about it. Love to get your experiences too. Uh, here's what the CMG website says. It says, quote, what would it mean for your business if you could target potential clients who are actively discussing their needs for your services in their day-to-day -day conversation. No, it's, it's not a Black Mirror episode. It's voice data, and CMG has the capabilities to use it in your business advantage. End of quote. That might be our future. It might be our future. Is that an invasion of your privacy? Naomi Brockwell is a tech journalist. She's the creator of NBTV Dot media and NBTV teaches people how to ultimately reclaim control of their lives in the digital age. And I said to my producer this morning, I said, you know what? I might have to take a week off, get all new emails, scrub all of that, that stuff and just create a new profile. Her channel gives people the tools they need to take back their data, their money and free online expression. And you can find her at Naomi brockwell.com that's naomi brockwell.com she joins me right now naomi thanks for being here it's good to talk to you today i'm looking forward to this thanks so much for having me i think this is a super important topic so help me discern what happened to me i'm talking on the air last week about a campaign and i get a, a text from the campaign and it's it wouldn't normally shock me you know but but to have my personal name knowing i was getting out of the topic and to have my cell phone number um what what do you make of that? Coincidence? Or is there something more to the picture that meets the eye? So I would say, first of all, if you ever get an unsolicited message, never click on the link. Uh, because even if it seems to take you to a legitimate page, you actually don't know which tracking sites it bounced you through on the way there. You don't know whether something else loaded on the side when it takes you to a certain page. So all kinds of bad things can happen. Well, Naomi, you're you right about that. And I thought about it. That's why I didn't do it on my phone. I actually took the link. I went to a different computer <laughs> and, and did it on that. Because here at the network, there's all sorts of software. Like, All right, let me run it through. If it's a, they'll, they'll catch it if it's, if it's nefarious. But I certainly didn't <laughs> use my phone. Great advice, though. Good, good. And then the second thing I'd say is that I don't think people quite realize how much information about them is all over the internet. Yeah. So there's a great quote by the former CEO of Cisco where he says, there are two types of companies, those that have been breached and those that don't yet know that they've been breached. Wow. And basically what he's saying is that Every piece of information you've ever given to any company, whether you bought flowers, whether you bought shoes, whether you had a medical appointment, whether you went to a government website, just presume all that information is out there somewhere on the internet. It's just a matter of who can find it. So it 
is trivially, trivially easy for people to actually find someone's social security number, home address, telephone number, just by going to any of these, you know, dark web search oh, sites. Wow. So I think we just need to really change how we think about giving away information online and start to really value privacy uh, a lot more because otherwise we can get targeted links like that one that seem legitimate and they really, you know, tailor it to our interests or things we're doing in the moment. And uh, and it could be a really scary situation. You almost need a burner phone these days for stuff you do online. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you keep your personal number for friends and family. You use everything else for that Amazon package you're waiting to arrive. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, do our cell phones listen to us? I mean, I was sharing a little bit about how somebody was advertising the fact that if someone's in a conversation, you know, that, that could be targeted. Where are we going with that? How real is that? I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening have had very similar experiences. Like my colleague here who started getting advertisements for cruises. Yeah, they're absolutely listening to us. And it's not just our phones. Think about the IoT devices you have in your house and which ones have microphones. Which ones have microphones that you don't even realize have microphones? Uh, there are so many things listening to us these days. And there are so many companies that are in the business of making money from our data that if they can sell you know, data about what we're saying, they do. And you brought up a great point at the start of the segment where there are companies that brag about doing this, where they say, yeah, we actively collect this information from microphones and uh, we analyze it through AI and then we sell that to different advertising companies. We sell that to data brokers. We sell that to companies that are trying to get your attention. And so just, I mean, the first thing I tell people when they're starting to think about digital privacy um, and they're just starting that that journey. Have a look at the apps on your phone, right? The number of apps. I mean, we these are intensely personal devices that we carry around with us everywhere we go. They see who we meet, not just through the camera. We do have cameras and microphones, right, right. but they can sense through Bluetooth. They can sense through Wi-Fi, uh, you know, probe requests, things like that, who is in our vicinity. So they know who we're hanging out with. They know so much about us. So you should kind of keep what you do on that device to a minimum because you actually don't realize how many people are getting your location data, how many people are getting access to your microphone and your camera and, and how many apps you've allowed to just, you know, go and keep going on in the background. So the first thing I do is just say, cleanse the apps on your phone and delete anything that you haven't used in the last month. And if you really need it again, you can reinstall it. But first look at the app permissions. Great idea. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Naomi, hold the thought. When I come back, we'll grab some calls for you. I know that um, you had an encounter with John Stossel, a venerable journalist, uh, a big advocate for consumer rights. Um, he, I was reading a, an interesting little piece, and I kind of share his view on this, how even though my digital footprint's out there, even though Google knows where I've been, there's something comforting about having, I don't know, Google and big tech and People know what you like and, and where you are. It's almost a double-edged server. Let's talk about that when I come back. If you are on hold, I'll get you on the air. The number to get in, if you want to join me, I only have about 10 minutes left today. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Taking a look at the great uh, digital illusion, the unveiling. We're kind of unveiling the veil on our smartphones. Are they spying on us? The answer is yes. Our conversation will continue. Right after this. The Drew Mariani Show. Connected. Connected. Relevant Radio. 
Hey, looking for a new job? How about one that offers opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. It's a perfect rejoin, Maggie. Hey, if you're just joining me, we are taking a look at the digital world. And maybe this has happened to you. You're at home and you're having a conversation with your family, friends, whoever, right? And uh, maybe it's your Alexa. Maybe it's your smartphone. Maybe it's some other device. And next thing you know, you're getting dished up ads, right? Or targeted emails or all sorts of things that are coming your way. We live in a world where convenience often trumps caution, I think. Our own smartphones, uh, you know, those devices that you're carrying around right now in your pocket or your pocketbook, they've actually turned into Trojan horses of the digital age. And you'll be surprised at what information is out there about you. Uh, my guest today is Naomi Brockwell, and uh, she worked with John Stossel, who was an investigative uh, consumer rights reporter for years. And I'm sure you probably remember him and, and his name. And uh, she once, you know, walked those corridors of media alongside Stossel. Now she's dedicating her life to a pressing cause. And that's safeguarding your digital footprint. I, I came across a story, and it's hard not to, to, to marvel, really, at this dual-edged sword that technology presents. Stossel's like many of us, and I can relate to his position totally. He, he made the case, they, they did this interview together, where he actually finds solace in the conveniences of modern tech, you know, Google's omnipresent guidance, you know, their, their apps, they, they take these mundane tasks and they make them a breeze. And at the same time, the other side of that sword, you know, beneath that veneer is, uh, you know, surveillance, unseen eyes, people using your data. Who knows what happens with other entities, some government entities in the future, if things change societally. And I don't want to get too conspiratorial or, or, or you know, too sci-fi on you, but I think it's something worth thinking about. And let me throw back to you, Naomi, and then we'll take a few calls for you. Um, the, the reality, you worked with Stossel, so he kind of shares that view. Are you concerned about how this can use it, be used in the future and, and where this is all going? So maybe unpack that for me. Yeah, I think that this is a concern that people need to be far more aware of. We have no control who gets access to the data that we hand over. So yes, we know that Google is using that data to sell us a better pair of shoes, and maybe we like the, the convenience of that. But actually, Google is broadcasting that in a firehose of information to thousands of entities who are bidding on the ability to get your attention and fill up those little ad boxes you see every time you go to a web page. Yeah. So thousands of people are getting the data. It isn't just Google who's, yeah, right. you know, that comforting known entity. Um, and so I would just remind people that, that sure, it may seem benign what's happening now. And let's presume, let's not even get conspiratorial. Let's just presume that all of our data that's out there is only ever being used for benign purposes to give us a better life of all the things we want, right? Let's presume that. Yeah, right. 
So laws change and social norms change so easily, but our data is forever and we have no control who, over who gets access to that data in the future. That includes any future government entity, any government entity across the world, any hostile nation state, any terrorist group, any you know hacker, any you know dictator turns into an autocrat who wants to suddenly persecute a certain segment of the population. You know, we just don't know what's going to happen. So I think it's not a good bet to just presume that us handing over all of this Mm -hmm. data is going to end well for us, especially with so many historical examples of, you know, data being used against people. And there's this great phrase, you know, we we hear the phrase, anything you say or do will be used against you. And that phrase has never been more true in the digital age. So just understand that in those private messages you think are private, in those private emails you think are private, in that private search that you put into that search engine that you think is private, none of that is private. It's all being collected and it is being stored. So be careful what you put out there. It's really quite amazing. So Google Chrome, I know you're cautious about uh, Google Maps, Google the platform in general. What about Mac? They often are champions of, uh, Apple's champions of, of, of privacy. Are they just as vulnerable? And, and, and how do you view other platforms? Brave, ProtonMail. There's a lot of other ones that claim to be more security-based. Yeah, so ProtonMail is a great one for email, whereas Gmail is literally analyzing all of your emails and adding it to their profile about you. ProtonMail actually encrypts everything so they can't get access to any of your emails. So you're putting that data out of their reach, which is great because I'd rather trust mathematics than trust people in that regard. I'd rather just have that fail safe of knowing that the encryption is good. Um, There are other things like instead of using plain SMS that's built into your phone, I would use an encrypted messaging app like Signal. All of my friends are on Signal now, so it's great. I just mess them there. I call them there. I video chat them there. We have group, you know, chats on there. Uh, But all of it is end-to-end encrypted, which means that only me and the intended recipients ever get to see these messages and calls. Even Signal can't see them. It's taken out of their reach. So there are definitely more private products that we can start to plug into our life as an alternative to the ones that just suck up all of our data. And Google is is atrocious at that. You know, we think of it like a search engine, but they're an advertising company. And the reason they give all these free services, it's not out of the goodness of their heart. It's because these are ways for them to collect data. You know, free email provider, why are they giving that to us? It's free. What do they get out of it? They get all of our data from the contents of our emails. So just start swapping out the products that are more privacy friendly, and you will go a long way to improving the privacy in your life. That sounds great. We have very little time. A lot of people who want to talk to you and i'm so grateful to have you here by the way before i do that because i know how time will fly best way to get a hold of you again what's the best website oh nbtv.media uh you'll find all of our content there and tutorials for reclaiming privacy okay so that's the place to go let's start in providence rhode island dan good afternoon you are on the air hi drew naomi great show thank you uh listen to two separate occasions one i was attending a workshop of about 30 people or so uh the teacher asked a question well, guess who, or should I say what, answered the question from my back pocket? My cell phone. <laughs> I, and it was like this moment of, like, stunned silence, and then people started, you know, giggling kind of nervously. Another time was uh, my pastor in my church, uh, the uh, the father there, he, he asked, he invited me over for coffee, a cappuccino. Mm-hmm. He said, Dan, pick out which kind you want, the strong, the medium, whatever. So I did. 
And all of a sudden, then I open up the phone to Google, and there's the same exact coffee that we were talking about. Wow. It's the same packaging and everything. It was right there. Like, it was listening. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, let me let uh, well, Naomi respond to you. You know, the first one, sometimes Siri might, or, or Google, whatever it's called there, um, might think, you know, you said the activation words, like if you have a, a, an iPhone, you say, hey, Siri. If somebody was talking and it sounded like that, it may activate that that command. Um, and that might explain the phone in the backpack, right, Naomi? But the other one, I, I don't have an explanation for. So there are lots of possible explanations. First of all, you have to think about all the apps on your phone and know that actually Google pays apps to add their code to apps to collect certain analytics. Um, and that's how people monetize a lot of their apps. They just monetize through Google. And so they allow Google to put this code into the app and then Google gets their data and the app creator, you know, gets paid, which is nice uh, trade-off there. But the, the user at the end of the day doesn't realize that that trade-off occurred and doesn't realize how much data is usually being collected about them. So whether, you know, you're giving that app permission to use the microphone or whatever, you're giving it permission to run in the background, things like that can definitely affect who is getting access to your data on a day-to-day -day basis. If you're constantly keeping your phone connected to cell towers and to the internet, yeah. just understand wow. what kind of data might be being lifted off the phone. Like sometimes you could just turn your phone off. Yeah. That's, a, that's always a great solution. Good idea. Hey, Naomi, we have less than a minute. DuckDuckDough, I see it advertised all over the place. Is that a good platform to uh, do Google search or to do searches on? <laughs> Uh, I, I personally feel it used to be. I personally use Brave Browser and Brave Search now because DuckDuckGo started uh, filtering yeah. results and I don't like it. Um, but yeah, look into all of those things well, and uh, try is, some. Uh, I'm sorry to step on you. I, I want to make sure no, your no, website's out there. All the info is at MB, N as in Nancy, B as in Bravo, TV.media. NBTV.media. Check it out. That'll answer all your questions. I'm out of time. We'll talk again tomorrow.